So good. You know, I was thinking about how many um, uh, people here are in the church, maybe even in this room to, today, like Emily said, that some of you are, you grew up in church, some of you did not. You know, I, you know, I didn't grow up in church when I was uh, coming up. I grew up out of church. Actually, I was in a Catholic family, but we barely went to Mass. And I can remember uh, just coming and experiencing what was a very strange atmosphere. Um, it was not like anything that I had seen. And, you know, but then, but then I began to really get invested in the Word of God. And I found the Spirit just kind of drawing my heart into the Bible more and more and more. And, but I remember how much I didn't know about the Word of God. I had never really read the Bible until I was an adult. And so there was so much that I didn't know. And some of you might be in here, and, you know, sometimes I think we assume that, that it, we're in the South and everybody grew up in church, but, you know, there are a lot of people in the South that did not grow up in a church, and there's a lot of people in the South that didn't grow up in the South. You've just migrated here. And, um, and we're just glad to have you. So, and then on any given Sunday, you know, I could be preaching to people that maybe know the Bible better than I, or I could be preaching to people that, you know, are just now learning, or people that are brand new. And so I try to keep that in mind. And this morning, um, I'm going to be in a passage of the New Testament, Old and New Testament. It's the last chapter in a letter that became part of the Bible that Paul wrote to a, a church to the believers in a city called Colossae. So it's the book of Colossians. And um, I said all that because... Many of you may not realize that most of the New Testament books were actually written as letters. In fact, most of these letters were written to churches in particular cities. And, oh, listen to the kids up there praising God. Isn't that great? Wow. You guys are going to have to show a little more enthusiasm if you're going to keep up with them. And some, some were written to leaders in these churches are the leaders of the churches. But the letters, you know, oftentimes are written to individuals, but they were shared among others. If you, if, for instance, there's two letters written to Timothy. There's a letter written to Titus. These are people. We're going to talk about one of the letters that was written to Philemon. And so in every letter in the New Testament, there's, it's almost like there's this hidden story about relationships that's there. In fact, the Apostle Paul is often dealing with relationships. And, and, and there's three things that, that usually happens. There are relationships between the author and the first readers. So Paul actually was writing this letter to members of the church in Colossae. And so there, there were things that they were understanding that was written specifically to them. But he also asked that that letter would be circulated all throughout the region so other churches outside of that city could read what was written because he knew it was inspired by the Spirit. There, there were relationships between the readers, the first readers of that Bible, and those that are outsiders. In fact, we've just been reading about this. The Apostle Paul says, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. 
right? Making the most of every opportunity and, and make sure that you are not rude or ugly or that, you're not, that you are misrepresenting who Jesus is and what Christianity is all about. That's a sermon that ought to be preached in every church in America today. Okay, the third thing is that there were relationships between all the readers and one another, but particularly God. So I'm just saying to you that in the New Testament, these letters were written and they have so much to do with relationships. It has so much to do with strategic relationships. And we see a perfect example of this in Colossians, because many of the letters are written to repair broken relationships or to fortify strategic relationships. And this Bible, these letters, these, this is a living document. It's full of the Holy Spirit's life of the Spirit, and it still speaks to us today and speaks to our relationships. So Colossians, the last chapter, kind of highlights exactly what I'm saying. Because Paul is writing to them and he, he gives them encouragement about how much he loves them in the beginning of the book and how he's praying for them and there's some things that he needs to know, they need to know. And then in chapter 4, verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, he says. This is our devoted series. We've been talking about that. We just did fasting for the month of uh, January where you were making a, a, a deep devotion, a deep dive into prayer and fasting. Um, Verse 3 said, pray for us also that God may open the door of our message. So he's, he's, this is about relationships. I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. You're becoming a praying people. Now pray for me. I'm in prison right now. Pray that I'll have opportunities even from this place in prison to minister to others. And then verse 5, I just quoted. He said, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. So he's, he's, these are the three things that we've talked about in January. Devote yourself in a greater way to prayer than you ever have. Devote yourself to reaching outsiders. That's just not people that, this is not weird verbiage of people are the outsiders. It's just people that are outside of a relationship with Jesus. They're outside of a saving faith, the saving knowledge of Christ. And we want to reach out to them. You were there at one point. You remember what it was like? You were there, everybody. And, and today, I'm going to finish by talking about how we need to devote ourselves to strategic relationships. These are kingdom relationships. These are divinely inspired relationships that I think that many of us are missing opportunities that are so important. It's one of the reasons why we have a roster of C groups. It's hard to have relationships with people on Sunday morning when you're sitting like an audience. You're, everybody is facing me. All of the talking is coming from me to you. You're listening to me. There might be a little bit of talking between one another, but if there's too much talking, people are going to go, shh, shh, I'm trying to hear the preacher. So this is not conducive to building relationships. So we have to create an environment where strategic relationships can grow. And so we have this whole roster of C groups. I, I was just looking at them this morning. I mean, one of the ones I'm really excited about is for men is we have a C group for, that's called Wild at Heart, where we're just men learning what it means. You know, there's this big lie that masculinity is toxic. It's, it's not. God created men to be men and women to be women and to be proud of the fact that they are male and female. God created us that way. 
And so there are great, there are great groups, you know, that you can join. There's a, you know, we're starting something with, we talked about marriage, but we have a C group for, for adult singles. I think a lot of times our single, the singles community, you know, well, we get forgotten. I know what it's like. I remember when my first wife died and I was a single dad for several years. And it was really weird. I'm just telling you, being a single dad, um, and I didn't belong with the married people, and I didn't belong with the single people. I was just, it was just me and these kids. Thank God for Carrie. She came along, begged me to marry her. Um, I don't know if she's online right now, but she might be. She's working at the hospital today. I love you, honey. I was just joking. I meant to say I chased her until she married me. I just understand, look, there's a place for you where you can meet with a small enough group of people where you can be known and you can get to know some people. And some healthy strategic relationships can form. And I want to teach you this morning about the importance of that because I think we need to devote ourselves to strategic relationships. They're not per people are not perfect. And they're going to let you down. In the New Testament, the New Testament is all, I just said it, most of the letters in the New Testament is about dealing with weirdness in relationships, how to fix broken relationships, how to grow together with one another, how to establish ourselves on the good foundation of Jesus first, and then building relationships with one another. Now, what's really cool to me I was, I've been nerding out a little bit about Colossians 4, and, um, and so some of you might just yawn at me a little bit today, but I just discovered something that I think is just so cool in the Bible, and I hope that you really are open to it. It's the last few verses as he's closing the book. Uh, the Apostle Paul names 11 associates, 11 relationships. He names them by name, and he vouches for them he, he um, acknowledges them and he promotes them. And I just want to read this to you. And then I want to talk to you today about the four most important strategic relationships that we should be looking for and be, and be devoted to in the church. Are y'all good with that, everybody? All right. It's quite a few verses now, verse 7 through 18. I'm going to read it. Uh, a couple of these, a couple of these uh, Greek or you know Roman names are a little bit strange. Like the very first one in verse seven is Tahikos. Paul says he will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear. Other translation says a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. Then he said, I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. That's really important. He's coming to encourage you. Verse 9, he's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that has happened, everything that is happening here. Now, Paul is in prison in Rome. And so these two guys have been visiting with him. It's very important because Onesimus is a very interesting character. 
In fact, we're going to talk about him because Paul actually leads him to the Lord and then sent, the disciples him in the faith and he's sending him with Tychicus with the letter to the Colossians church and another letter, which is the letter of Philemon. So Paul wrote them both at the same time. Philemon was in the church at Colossae. In fact, Philemon, was a, he and his wife, Aphia, they were a very wealthy couple, big business couple. In fact, most believe that the main church of Coloss, they met in, in his home, in their home. And Onesimus was a slave. They were slave owners, was a slave of Philemon. And he stole some money and he ran away. And Paul somehow encountered him. This is so cool, everybody. In fact, I'm just going to talk to you about the power of godly, of divine relationships. We'll catch up with that story in a minute. Verse 10, he goes on, he says, And my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Interesting. Verse 11 Jesus, which was a common name, who is called Justice, this is a person, we'll call him Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they prove to be a comfort to me. Stay with me, everybody. Epaphras, who is one of you, in fact, he's a servant of Christ Jesus, he sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. And look, look what Paul says, and I vouch for him. I'm, I'm, I vouch for him. He is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. And our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send their greetings. Give my Greetings to the brothers and the sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. That's interesting. And after this letter has been read to you, see to it that it's also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you may in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, who many believe was the son of Philemon and Aphia, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be to you. Now, most of you reading through the book of Colossians, the letter of Colossians, when you got to chant, uh, verse 7, you probably would have checked out. You would have probably said, he's just naming a bunch of people and what's the significance of it? There's a lot of significance here, everybody, because these are strategic relationships and within these relationships, we find interesting conversions and conflicts and faithfulness and unfaithfulness, partnerships and desertions. And we also find love and a lot of love and a lot of forgiveness and a lot of partnering, partnering, and comfort. And for instance, Onesimus, I just mentioned him. Paul leads him to the Lord, and then he's sending him back. He was a runaway, unsaved slave, and he's going back. Paul calls him my son in the faith. 
Mark, if you remember the story in the book of Acts when we studied last summer, Mark, John Mark is his name. He was the cousin of Barnabas. Barnabas and Paul were apostles together. They were, and they led missionary journeys. On the very first journey, uh, Barnabas invited his cousin who was new in the Lord to come with him. And he joined in the first missionary journey. And about halfway through it, he freaked out and he ran home. And Paul got so bent out of shape. How could he do that? Well, he was young and he was immature. But Barnabas, because he loved his cousin and he was an encourager, he kept working, working, and working with Mark until he grew. Actually, he's the one who authored by the Spirit the gospel of Mark. It's a very strategic relationship. Just think if he would have just been abandoned because he stumbled and fell or because he got scared of persecution. Somebody stayed with him. Some of you are only serving God today because somebody stayed with you. There was a strategic relationship in your life where somebody did not give up on you when you wanted to run away because life got difficult. I thank God for those people. Those are important relationships that are in the church. Of course, of course Barnabas, his name means son of, of encouragement. He is like the ultimate friend that comes alongside to help. Epaphras was one of those leaders, but there was some kind of rumor going around that he was being unfaithful. And Paul's like, no, the spiritual father in Paul says, I can vouch for him. His apostolic father say, he is a man of God and he's fighting for you. Don't believe every accusation against him. I'm just trying to show you, give you a big picture. Now, now Luke, is the, the doctor was there too, that he traveled with Paul almost everywhere. Paul had, was dealing with some kind of physical ailment. I'm, I'm quite confident of that. And then he names Demas. At this time, Demas was one of his closest friends. He was one of his greatest co-workers. But in just a little short while after this, he would desert Paul. He would abandon Paul. In fact, in 2 Timothy 4, in that letter, Paul says this, For Demas, because he loved this world has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. He's just gone. I've lost him to the world. You know, it's, it, there are painful relationships in churches. Sometimes people run away from relationships. Sometimes rumors get stirred up and try to divide a team. Sometimes people just turn their back on the Lord and they go back into the world. Sometimes they leave husbands or wives. And we're connected in all these relationships. It's like a it's like a cord of a tapestry. When one person pulls on that thread, it just it unravels throughout a church body. It's so important for us to understand that we must learn how to flow with grace and kindness and forgiveness and encouragement. We've got to be devoted. We must be devoted to kingdom relationships. This place is packed out right now. There's a lot more people that are going to be coming and joining us. We don't want people filtering out the back door because because of some rumor, because they, because they hit a problem and somebody gossiped about them or nobody showed up in their life. We've got to be devoted, everybody. Come on. We are a body of believers. We are a family. We've got to be devoted to strategic relationships. I think of Nympha. Here's, you know, typically, if there was a person in the New Testament in the early church that was hosting a church, that person or those people were the actual leaders of that congregation. 
It's very likely, a lot of, I know a lot of people say, well, there's no room for women in leadership in church. Well, you didn't really read the book of Acts and you don't really know what was going on because there were strategic women in places of leadership that were hosting and leading house churches and without them, the gospel would have been very limited. So for all the sisters in here, glory to God. Don't let, don't let anybody tell you that you're second place or you're second rate or because you're a woman, you don't have a voice. You all have a voice. We're in this thing together. I mean, the apostle Paul wrote, he wrote in this book, for there's neither male nor female, no Jew or Gentile, neither slave nor free, but in Christ, there is an alternative to this caste system of that day. We are one in Christ. We are equally valuable and important in the kingdom of God, no matter where we come from and who we are. And you know, whether we are female or a male or young or old, he even says, don't let, don't let the young people, don't let people despise you because of your youth. Come on, everybody. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is life and there is ministry. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your limits are with education or what social status you might have. I'm just telling you, it's the spirit of God operating in the church and we are all part of the family of God. And so what I want to show you is captured in this passage of scripture are four incredible strategic relationships that I think we need to recognize. We can't force them into being, but we need to recognize them. And I think we should begin to pray about these. The first one is, uh, I, I call it a spiritual father. It's this apostolic father, a spiritual mom's. I'm talking about people who feel like, who we know that God has given them great wisdom through experience and years and a special anointing to raise up sons and daughters in the faith. They're not freaks. They're not going around trying to build their own selves a roster of all their spiritual sons and daughters. It just naturally flows out of them. We have, we have golden people in this church. Well, I, maybe I should say they're silver because we have a lot of silver people in this church. And they're spiritual moms and dads. We have lots of people that will be great mentors to people. I'm just saying to you, and it's interesting to me that Paul is in prison, and in prison, he's able to entertain guests. They're coming seeing when well, he's in Rome. And Onesimus, who worked in the house of Philemon, and I obviously he didn't know the Lord, had not accepted Jesus, and wasn't living for God. When he stole, for whatever reason he did, from his master's estate, he ran away. And at some point, when he ran away, I now this is just my opinion, I'm, can't, I'm not stating this in fact, but I find it very interesting that he found his way to the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul couldn't go looking for him, he was in prison. So he found his way there. And he, he showed up, and what I think has happened is that he found himself running from the punishment or the unlawful thing that he had, did, had done 
and he could have easily been executed and he finds himself in trouble. And so obviously by watching Paul in his gracious way that he ministered in Colossus, his home, his home uh, city, and in that household, I think he's like, I've got nowhere else to go. Maybe I can go and visit Paul and he can help me. Well, Paul saw right away that immediately what he needed more than to be forgiven by Philemon and Aphia, what he needed was to be forgiven by Jesus. And number one, he needed to get right with God. And, the, and Paul led him to the Lord and he got right with God. And he discipled him for a period of time. He stayed right there. Onesimus is really important for my message today because I want you to see how strategic relationships work. Paul says, he became like one of my own children. And Paul, we find, is sending him back to the city and as a born-again, spirit-filled believer, he's sending him back. And I want you to see what Paul writes in the book of Philemon, the letter to Philemon, who, remember, this is this huge elder in the church at Colossus. And he writes this in Philemon, verse 8. Therefore, He's appealing to Philemon's love and he's telling him about Anesimus. I'm sending him back to you. He says, although in Christ, Paul says, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as, it is as none other than Paul. Look what he says. An old man and now a prisoner in Christ Jesus. He's writing as a father to another spiritual son. And he says, it's, that's who I am, that I appeal to you for my son, Onesimus. So he has led him to the Lord, discipled him, and he now has become a spiritual son of his, who became my son while I was in change. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. And I'm sending him to you. Who is my very heart? Back to you. Oh, come on, everybody. You got to say, whoa. This is real life stuff here. He's going back to face the music. And the apostle Paul is sending him back to do what's right. Before you gave your heart to the Lord, you really messed up, Bubba. You got to go back and face it. And he's sending him back, but he's vouching for him. In verse 16, uh, this is the book of Philemon. This is these, both these books were sent at the same time. He says, he's no longer a slave, but better than a slave as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention, by the way, you owe me your life. Because obviously the apostle Paul led him to Christ and discipled him. I don't know if you can grasp how full and rich this is of an apostolic father that's operating from that realm like a dad would in a family. 
We don't have room for squabbles and unforgiveness and unkind vendettas. We all have been forgiven and we all need forgiveness. And this is what a spiritual father does. And many of us did not have any. I remember when me and Carrie got married after Sandy died. I just talked about that a bit. I, I remember when we were young, young and newly married and we we're blending a family. I'm married, got two kids. Carrie's young, never been married, has no babies of herself. And we are just struggling like crazy. And I remember thinking, I got to find a woman that can minister to my wife. And I need a spiritual dad that can come alongside because we, we, the great days were great. We were newly married. But the bad days were awful. And I can remember not finding that. In fact, it took several years until Alan Vincent came into my life. And I believe that God finally directed me and helped me connect with a spiritual father. I don't have time to tell that story. Some of the old hands here, they know the story. But it's amazing what God has done. And I want to tell you what a father offers, what fathers and spiritual mothers offer. The Apostle Paul said, you've got a lot of teachers, but you don't have enough fathers in your congregations. Because a spiritual father offers comfort that comes from affirmation and the ability to, and the, and the right to endorse. Like, I'm, I, I'm sending Epaphras to you. I'm vouching for him. That spiritual father, his words meant something. I'm sending Philemon to you. He is now truly a believer. He's, this isn't a game, Philemon. I want you to receive him. Remember, you needed me then too. He is a son in the faith, just like you. My point is I want to encourage you, everybody, that we need fathers who are comforters, who bring affirmation. And many of you, um, you may not have had that. I'm, 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 just, I'm just telling you, it's hard to find. You can't go find them. I mean, you can't expect them to come find you. You got to go find them yourself. You got to start praying about this and be humble enough to allow somebody who's older, wiser, to mentor you and to challenge you. And some of, some of you that have been serving the Lord a long time and you never had a spiritual father, you, you can reverse the trend because there's some young people in here that need you to speak into their, I love my grandfather uh, stage I'm in right now. It, it's, 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 it's really cool. I mean, I don't like the little aches and pains when I wake up in the morning, but I love being able to speak to younger people. Fathers are experienced, and they're able to speak from their past. Mothers have been there down the road. They, they take what they have, and they give it to you. And, they, and they're secure, and they strengthen us out of the authority that they have. Okay? Everybody just wants you to see. This is a really important relationship and I want to call some of you that are very respected leaders at Christian Life, get devoted to leading even stronger and be open to the Lord directing some people to come up underneath you. We have a culture and an environment where that is welcomed and encouraged. It doesn't mean that, you, I know you might not feel qualified, it doesn't mean everybody's perfect, but if we all follow the Holy Spirit, we'll have a lot more wins than we will have losses. Somebody say amen. If there are spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers, if the apostle Paul says, he is my son in the faith, then there must be sons and daughters. If there are spiritual fathers and mothers, it must be sons and daughters. And so this is another, I think, really important uh, 
strategic relationship for us to understand that there are people that God brings into your life who need you and they're seeking your guidance and they're ready to submit to your leadership. I'm not trying to create some social status where one person is more important. I'm just saying with the spirit of discipleship, some of us just need to quit looking at ourselves at the bottom of the heap, thinking we have nothing to offer and realize this is the year for you get to, to get devoted to leadership and start allowing the experiences that God has, has helped you to overcome, start using them to bear fruit and to help others grow in Christ. Amen? Amen. And so you might be saying, well, I just, I just don't see myself as a spiritual father or having spiritual sons or spiritual daughters and all that stuff. No, no problem. Most of the time, I don't see myself that way. But here's the thing what I've learned. If you will strive to become the leader that God wants you to be, people will follow you. If you, if you will disciple people well with humility and love, you'll look around and all of a sudden, you've got people that are bonding to you and they're looking for your help. You say, I'm just such a baby Christian. I don't know the Bible. Uh, listen, I just gave you... Paul's all-star team consisted of people who got afraid and freaked out and ran away. It consisted of people who wasn't even really saved. They had to get saved. It consisted of, you know, people that had rumors about them. And it consisted of women that weren't respected in that culture, but women that stepped up and did what the men weren't doing. I'm just saying, if you'll be the leader and God will bring people to you. That's why we should never have a shortage. Listen to me, everybody. I, I, I'm sounding kind of harsh. I'm just excited about this. I'm just saying, we should never have a shortage of C group leaders in this church. If we do, it's because some of you have decided not to step up and make the sacrifice to lead a group and help disciple others. Because there's leaders all around here. For, per capita, this church is jam-packed with leaders. There's gold in those pews. I see you. I know who you are in the Lord. We should never lack discipleship coaches. We're men to disciple other men. We have, we, we have discipling people all around us. We just got to devote ourselves to advancing the kingdom of God and being willing to sacrifice and lead others. How do I become a great leader? Listen, a great leader comes from great following. Great leaders are great followers. Do you want to learn how to be a leader? Just commit yourself this year that you are going to follow the leadership at Christian Life and the challenges that we give you, you're just going to step up and learn how to do that. And then, and then, then God will help you to start mentoring and discipling and leading others. Everybody can mentor somebody because you can comfort someone who's hurting. You can give affirmation to someone who feels like they're not worthy. You can encourage someone from your past experience. You can strengthen someone who's feeling weak. I could keep going on and on, couldn't I? There are a lot of things that you can do to really minister to others who maybe are just younger than you. 
in the faith or a little less mature than you, but they're hungry and they want to grow. Amen? Again, I'm asking you not to be weird about this. Just understand that this ain't about you and you don't use people for your own, for your own accolades or for your own pride. That's, that's not going to get us anywhere. That's just going to cause more problems. But if you see yourself as a servant of all, then you can come up underneath someone, come on everybody, and decide, I'm lifting them up. What God's done for me, I can do for them. Amen? All right, so everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a spiritual father. Everybody needs, let's just say a Timothy. There's got to be somebody, a young son, a young, we can call him a young gun, somebody in your realm of influence that you can encourage, strengthen, comfort, and you can affirm, all right? Then I call this next group of strategic relationships faithful friends, faithful friends. It's interesting to me that Paul describes his friends, his co-workers, as fellow workers or faithful brothers. He says, they proved to be a comfort to me. Proverbs 17, 17 said, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Can I, can, I just, can I just tell you this? There are people that are sitting in church that are so lonely because they don't have any friends. And I don't, for the life of me, don't understand why. I think the devil is robbing you. I think you're letting the devil win because God doesn't want you on this journey by yourself. God wants you to connect it. Brothers, God wants you connected to other brothers. This is why we have so many men's C groups that are reaching out to men. This is the reason why Shane is doing the Wild at Heart uh, C group, to help you just connect with other men that enjoy men things. There's women in here that you're by yourself. And that's not, listen, if the devil can get you by yourself, you'll start thinking your own thoughts. And all you'll do is think your own thoughts. And when you think your own thoughts, your own thoughts always lead you into the gutter or they lead you into loneliness and despair. You've got to be around some other people hearing some other thoughts. Hello? Because the devil gets in there and he just, he, he just pounds you because most of us need to be encouraged. Most of us need to hear words of affirmation because our flesh usually wins that battle. And so we need friends. A, a friend. I'm just talking about people that you just enjoy being around. I think sometimes we make such a big deal about being super spiritual. I mean, you know what? There's nothing wrong with just having some friends that you want to go camping with or having them over and cooking together. You don't have to be preaching three-point sermons. Just, just let, let, let your friendship enjoy one another. Hello. Ladies, there's some, you, some of you need some friends to just go shopping with. Now, don't spend all your husband's money, but just go browsing. Just go walk together. Just, just shop together. I don't know what all that you like to do, but you know what? Friends should be fun. Is it okay to have fun with friends? I'm not talking about filth. I'm not talking about ungodliness. I'm talking about godly inspired friends. They, they, they are important to you. Friends are faithful. They will not abandon you when you are in trouble. Friends are empathetic. They understand you and they enter into your sorrow with you. That's what friends do. Friends are just friends. They're just friends. They're just friends. 
They're not using you. They're not taking advantage of you. They're not hoping to get something from you. Friends love you for who you are. And that, my friends, is the most encouraging thing about friends, is that there's no agenda. They're just your friends. And when you have a true friend, you can, you can live in different parts of the world, but boy, when you connect, it's like, you, it's like you've been speaking every day because there is this incredible connection. You know one thing else I want to say is that there are some friends that are so strategic that having them in your life, it brings you into freedom. You know, James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. You know, my friend Rick, when we were, we were on a trip recently, and we were speaking to a bunch of pastors in a different country, and Rick took a few moments, and he said, he said, he said this. He said to the, to the pastors, he said, everybody needs a spiritual father that can vouch for you. And he said, everybody needs a confessor. And he was pointing out James chapter 5. It wasn't that long ago, Landon was actually teaching on this. Everybody needs a confessor. You know, you know everybody needs somebody in their life that they know everything about you. Someone that is that close of a friend, that is so discreet, because the scripture says if we confess our faults one to another and we pray for one another, we might be healed. There could be the, a need for healing to happen that might not be released in your life until you empty out all of those deep, dark secrets that are tormenting you on the inside. I have people in my life that know everything. I have people in my life that they depend on me as their confessor. And I would never, I, you, wild heart horses could not drag their secrets out of my, my lips. I will die covering them. There are people that will die covering me. There are people like this in this world. You talk about a strategic relationship. It's real quiet in here right now because this is fearful. I mean, you, you, you go and tell everybody things that, if it got exposed, it could just devastate you, your family, your job, everything. But if the scripture says, therefore confess your sins to each other, pray for one another that you might be healed, maybe you need one or two people that are discreet, that you can trust with your failures, that are righteous, they won't compromise their values, that are, that are prayers, that the prayer of a righteous man avails much, or they will really pray for you. Okay? Everybody needs a Paul. Everybody needs a Timothy, a son. Everybody needs a Barnabas, a close friend. Uh, you need three. Jesus had three, Peter, James, and John. He brought them where the others didn't go. Fine. Start with three. Can you, can you name three friends? And here's the last thing. Four strategic relationships I want to call you into devotion to. And the last one is a relationship with unsaved and unchurched friends. I've heard a lot of teachings, and usually they point out the three that I've talked about already. Spiritual father, spiritual sons and daughters, and 
They've talked about, you know, friends. But what about outsiders? I mean, Jesus was basically attacked and criticized because he hung out with people that were outsiders. Sinners and tax collectors. He, women. I mean, Jesus hung out with those people. He said when, they were, when he was accused of, of being unholy and impure, he says, who needs the doctor, really? Does a well person need a doctor? Or does a sick person need a doctor? He said, I've come to bring healing to those that are sick and diseased by sin. And so my encouragement to you is maybe there's an Onesimus in your life. Maybe there's somebody bound in the slavery of sin. And maybe he's carrying so much guilt, but he sees something in you. And maybe he or she has come to you. And, and every time you turn around, there they are. And you're like, why does this person bugging me so much? Why are they always on my Facebook? Why are they always working next to me? And, and, and look at their life. Maybe it is the anointing in you and the love of Jesus that's in you is drawing an unchurched or unsaved person into your world and you need to devote yourself to helping them find Jesus. Everybody needs a spiritual mentor, a father if you can find one, a spiritual mama. Everybody needs to be discipling up the next generation, young people. And you all, all of us need friends. And boy, if we can find someone that we can be that raw and real with and feel protected, we might just find healing. And everybody needs an Onesimus in their life. I mean, you could say a Nicodemus. And remember, Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, what do I need to do to have eternal life? There's so many instances of unbelievers inquiring about, well, what about me? What's real? That's why the Apostle Paul teaches us, when it comes to outsiders, pray for the opportunity and be wise in the opportunity. Amen? So I want to put the last thing up on the screen. I'm done, everybody. Everybody needs a Paul, a father. Look at it. Everybody needs a Timothy, spiritual sons and daughters. And everybody needs a Barnabas or two or three faithful friends. And everybody needs an Onesimus, an unsaved or unchurched friends that maybe are interested. You were there at one time, and somebody was patient with you, and you have found the greatest gift of all, and that's the gift of a relationship with Christ and salvation that comes through it. Will you stand to your feet with me, everybody? There's so much that you can do here in this upcoming year. I'm glad the, pack, the house is packed out. I know there's a bunch of you that are visiting Christian Life today. I'm, I'm so glad. I, I, I've just kind of shared with you what I believe is the real dynamic of church life. It's the reason why church exists. Church doesn't exist for itself. L listen, if the walls fell down tomorrow and we didn't have a building, we have relationships and we would still find a place. Even if it was under a tree somewhere, we would find a place to gather. But we're gathering here and we need to be devoted to a deeper prayer life and reaching outsiders. But we also need to find our place. And this whole thing we call discipleship. That's growing together in the Lord. And I wonder if there's anybody in here today 
I mean, this is the last Sunday in January. The whole year is right right before us. And I have found pastoring for so many years that God's not bound by our calendar or our clock. But oftentimes, our hearts are stirred for new beginnings. We look back at where we were and we're like, that's not who I am. I can do better. I want change. I'm inclined to think that there's some folks listening to me today, you're ready for some change. And the greatest change starts with you having a deeper devotion to Christ. And there's two groups of you in here, some that maybe you have never fully surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you, maybe you know the pitch. You know, you've sat and you think, well, there he goes, the pastor with his sales pitch up there. That's not what this is. I'm concerned about you. Because this is what you were... This is what you were created for. You were created in God's image. You were made by him. There is a God-sized vacuum in the middle of your chest, somewhere down in there. We call it your nowhere. There's a place in there that you can cram all kinds of stuff in there, but it isn't going to satisfy you. The only thing that will satisfy you is when the living Christ who paid for your sins and has risen from the dead, dwells inside of you by the Spirit and causes you to become a new person, gives you a new heart, a new mind, and you become a born-again person. Some of you have never accepted Jesus that way. I don't mean to insult you, but playing church is miserable. I'm just saying, playing church is miserable. Being the church... There's a lot of joy in that. Because when you're being the church, you just get grace. There's another group of you that, you know, you just kind of got a couple of toes into a new relationship with God. You're not fully devoted. You come on Sundays when you can, but you know God's dealing with you. You know that he's asking you for more surrender, for a deeper devotion. I mean, I'm not pointing out names or faces. I just know that the Spirit is always working this way. He wants the lost to fully surrender, and he wants those that are just playing church to get devoted and find the real joy of being all in. And there's a little card right here. You're going to see this a lot this year because I'm so committed, and our team is so committed to moving people from just being church attenders We want to move people into a vibrant, living, I'm talking about sold-out relationship with Jesus Christ this year. And and we're going to be challenging you to make a decision. That's what it says. I have decided. There's a card in the seat back. And I wonder if there's anybody that needs to make a decision to be more devoted. Would you just bow your heads? Let me just give, give me a minute to have some privacy with the congregation. If you are in here today, 
on this last Sunday, on this last Sunday of January, and you're ready, maybe for the first time, to accept Jesus as your Savior, fully surrendered to him, I want to pray with you. Or if you're in here today and you're like, you know, I've just been playing around with this, I know God's leading me to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, a disciple of Christ, then would you slip a hand up so I can see you? Is there anybody in here? Come on, just going to give you a minute to make a decision. Okay, I see a couple of hands to my right and to my left. You say, this is embarrassing. I've been in church. Why do I have to slip up my hand? Well, you know, you really don't have to. This is between you and the Lord. But you know what? It gives us an opportunity because all of us were here sometime. We're just talking about relationships. We want to help you because we love you, not because we want to laugh at you. We all need Jesus. If you're in here and you say, hey, this is my Sunday, Pastor Ron. I'm ready. I'm all in. Slip your hand up. Let me see. I'm going to pray for you. A little bit higher so I can see these lights are bright. Okay. There's about three or four people. I'm going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for these that are here. Lord, that have raised their hands and want to fully surrender to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would you who have stirred their hearts, that faith would build inside of them. In fact, I want you to pray a prayer with me because I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance and total acceptance, a prayer of salvation. The congregation, will you pray along with these that have their hands lifted up? This is a day, man, this is a big day. This is the biggest day ever for some. Let's pray it together. Say, Jesus, here I am. I've been playing around with you. Not being serious. But your spirit is stirring me. I'm drawn from my heart to come after you. So I'm responding to that. I'm trusting in what you've done for me. You died for my sins. By the power of the spirit, you were risen again. And now you're alive to give me new life. So forgive me for everything I've done that offends you. Cleanse me from all my wickedness. And deliver me from the power of hell. I come into the kingdom now as a child of God. And by faith I say thank you for what you've done. And I claim that I am new. That I am saved. I am delivered. The power of sin and death is broken. I am a child of God, and I will live for God. Not just today, but for the rest of my life. I pray this prayer to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, everybody. Let's praise him. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now, listen, there's a couple of things I want you to do. I, I, I asked a few of our leaders to come and be willing to pray here today. So we're not going to rush you out of here. There's two things that happened. I'm speaking to those of you that I just prayed with you. I, I would love for you to fill out this little card. And you can hand it to one of the guys that are up here in the front, or you can put it in the box in the back. 
We want to be able to help you start a journey with the Lord. Even if you have been serving the Lord, and maybe you're a long-term member of this church, if you, if, if there's two places to check, I'm accepting Christ as my Savior for the first time, or I'm rededicating my life to the Lord. Whichever one you checked, we're going to help you grow and move you forward in your faith. So if you would fill that out, hand it to one of us, or, or if you can't come for prayer and you, want to, you have to leave, you can drop it in the box in the back. Secondly, if you're in here, and during this fast, you've been praying for a miracle, and maybe you're like, I just need more of this. I've got a team down here that's going to stay here, and they are ready to pray with you and believe God for you for anything. So, I mean, if you got to go, go. But we, this is a house of prayer. And if you need prayer, we have a team that's here to pray for you. Amen? And so, I'm going to dismiss. Come on, everybody. Thank God for what he's done today. That's, that's really weak because there were some people that surrendered their life to Jesus today. We ought to thank God for that. Listen, I'm saying we have some new brothers and sisters because of what happened today. Amen. Come on, everybody. It's going to be a great year. So you are dismissed. If you want prayer, come. Let